Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As a resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. I do think that we talk about food way too much. And we do talk about food in a pornographic way, honestly. And maybe it's because we're all stress eating in one way or another. And we, you know, we're always looking for the silver bullet, whether it's turmeric or kale, or now it's like vase I've seen people going on about. And none of these things are going to make you immortal. Can we just say that right off the bat? Hey, I'm Stacy. And I'm Megan, and this is Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding our families because, man, kids need to eat a lot. And frequently do. Hey, everyone. We've got something a little bit different this week. So we interviewed the fantastic Artie Sequira of Food Network a few weeks back for our series on picky eating. Which, by the way, if you haven't listened, it includes episodes 8, 9, and 10 where we focus on the topic with varying perspectives. And we have amazing interviews with Melissa D. Arabian, Debbie Koenig of Parents Need to Eat Too, and Amy Palingen of Yummy Toddler Food. Yeah, it was awesome. But as it turns out, our conversation with Artie was so expansive that we decided to turn it into its own standalone episode. Because as we listened back, while there's definitely a theme about picky eating, we felt like we were tapping into some larger conversation. Yeah, it took a different turn um, and meaning or context for me. But for you, Stacey, it was a lot about your experience growing up. Yeah, I don't know. So, you know, it's definitely about picky eating. But I think that for me as a first-generation American, what really stood out with our talk with Artie was this idea of food culture. So we're going to hear her talk about it, but Artie was raised by Indian parents in Dubai. 
And she regularly traveled internationally, especially to India as a child. And that really informed her parenting style, both in general and around food. And I don't know, it just really resonated with me as someone who was raised by Greek immigrants. Now, I was raised in the States, but you know, the food culture in my house was really a Greek food culture. And I don't know, sometimes I want to call it a European food culture or a foreign food culture, but I guess I can just only really speak to it being a Greek food culture. That's all I really know. But I feel like it highlighted this disconnect that I have always experienced between the food culture that I grew up with in my home and the food culture that I kind of experienced being part of my American world, if you will. Yes. I don't know. It's like the food culture that I was exposed to at school, at my friend's house, and eventually just as I got older, just being out in the world here in the States, which was much more about convenience and fast foods, eating out, diets as I got older. So I don't know. I feel like in short, what I ended up learning through that contrast and that tension between the two is that, or what I kind of gleaned from that, is that I feel like America doesn't really have a food culture. There's kind of no soul to it, if that makes any sense. Oh, okay. I know, I know. I'm going somewhere crazy. You're going there. I am, I am. I'm going there. And I personally feel like that's what leads to so many of our food issue epidemics in the States, like from picky eating to this toxic diet culture, to disordered eating, to, you know, scratch home cooking, not being a part of our repertoire in the States. So not that it's perfect in Greece or in other countries, but I don't know. I feel like these problems are really endemic here in the States. They are. And we also talked a little bit with Chef Jenny Dorsey in our third school lunch episode about culture, like immigrant culture and having like a rich food culture at home and then going to school and experiencing something so different and how that really impacts not only how you feel about yourself, but your relationship with food. And so for me, like having been raised purely in like American food culture, what I took from the conversation with Artie was really a deeper understanding about how the culture we create at home and culture in our society, like those two things have to work in tandem for us to really not fix, but target our, like how our picky eaters are growing up or to even like just avoid picky eating altogether. It's kind of like creating a cross current that um, addresses that food at school might be different or food at um, restaurants might be different or food anywhere outside our homes might be different. but that what we're doing at home will always bring over that, I guess. It's a very deep subject. Yeah, whoa. (laughs) We are going. (laughs) We're digging deep today. But that's what it felt like, right? So like we were talking to her about picky eaters, but it got kind of like deep and personal. And it just felt like it was hard to pull out these snippets (laughs) just like throw it at people as part of this picky eating series. But we're going to do it anyways as its own episode. Yeah. Um, we're doing it. A- we're doing it a little different. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun little format change to keep you all on your toes. So let's jump right in to meet Artie and hear a little bit more about how she grew up. So I have two little girls. 
um, Alaya, who is four and a half, and Moses, we call her Mosey, um, and she is two and a half. <laughs> and, you know, Alaya has always had a really open palate. She is very cautious in lots of ways. She won't go in the ocean. You know, it took her a couple of years to do that. She takes her time on things that are physical, but when it comes to eating, she is wide open. So from a young age, like I remember my husband, one time I was out of town and there was this taco place that had opened up like a high-end taco place and he took her and they made these drinks and garnished them with crispy grasshoppers and she ate it. <gasps> That's wow. amazing. Yeah. And she loves octopus. She particularly likes the suckers. Like, I mean, she just, she's not really picky at all. So I got really spoiled when I had her because I thought, well, obviously this is because I'm such an awesome parent <laughs> and is. I'm, you know, and I'm a food network host. And so, and a cookbook author. And so obviously it's because my food is just, you. no one can resist it. <laughs> and then unfortunately, um, she turned two. <laughs> mm. And things got a little bit harder. But honestly, she still ate a lot of stuff, but it wasn't that bad. And then really the issue has been my second one, Mosey. I love her to pieces. She has fire. I mean, she's just made of pure fire. Um, but and so, you know, on the on the positive side, that means that when she is in love with me, she is so deeply, passionately in love with me. Um, and then on the other hand, that means when she does not want to eat, she does not want to eat, you know, and it's it's just at a 10. When I was little, I grew up in Dubai. I have two younger sisters. I'm the oldest of three girls. My parents are from India. And we were not, I mean, we had like, my middle sister was a little pickier, but we went back to India every couple of years. And I honestly think this had an effect on us. We went back to India every couple of years to see our family. You touch down in Bombay and you drive through abject poverty to get to your house. I mean, there's no escaping it. It's all around you. You see little girls naked, peeing on the side of the road. You see other little girls knocking on your window with garlands of flowers, trying to earn money for their family. I mean, it just puts everything in perspective. So then when you sit down and you're like, I don't feel like eating chicken curry, you just swallow that real quick, you know? So, so part of me feels like I need to do, I mean, they're still young and I know that, you know, Mosey's too. And part of her rejecting food at the moment is also part of her recognizing her own autonomy. And I want to honor that. And I don't want to quench that fire because I definitely feel like I can be a little too meek about asserting my own desires and needs and opinions as a 40-year-old woman, and part of that was, you know, the way that I was brought up. So I'm I'm really, I'm trying, I'll be honest with you, I'm really sort of walking this fine line. I sometimes find ways to make it work, but a lot of time I'm rolling the dice just like everybody else. So you and Artie clearly connected on how you were raised around food. Yeah, we did. And I think it's very, very funny that we both ended up working in the food industry. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know, people are always working out their issues um, through their work, right? I feel like we both developed this passion for food at home, and then we hope to foster a similar one, or at least this tolerance for food in our children. 
Yet we both take this somewhat harder line than some of our American friends and counterparts when it comes to eating at the table. You know, at one point in the conversation, Artie called her parenting style old world, which I thought was interesting. Especially interesting for me because I grew up with, you know, a single mom in the States who was, she grew up in the States and her approach was very similar to what you guys are talking about being quote unquote old world. Yeah, that's true. It's true. And she's like, I mean, her parents aren't from another country, are they? Like your family's from the States. Yes. Yes. Many generations, right? Many generations. So interesting. Yeah. Although I understand that you guys like approach the whole old world thing because it's your point of reference, but neither of you seem so old school to me. (laughs) You're quite progressive. So you don't like, you don't force your kids to clean their plates. You respect developmental phases. um, And you understand that what's nourishing at the table is often not the food, but connection and family. You know, I mean, it's true. And it like when I think about that, like when I think about this idea of like clean your plates and like not thinking about developmental phases and being like old school in that way, it, you know, we so aren't that. You know, in fact, we asked Artie a question that one of our didn't I just feed you Instagram followers asked her about her picky granddaughter and vegetables. And Artie really demonstrated that she doesn't take that like very old school, harsh approach, you know? In fact, let's let's listen to that clip right now. My four-year-old granddaughter used to love veggies. Now, every time she sees them on her plate, she says, yuck, and I'm allergic to this. We tried to get her to at least taste a little bite, but it becomes a battle and so tiring. I need help. She says, also, our granddaughter lives with us. I sort of feel like the more you push, the more they're going to push back. You know, I would just try ignoring it for a couple of weeks and see what happens. Just try it as an experiment and then try to sneak in vegetables other ways, like whether you're doing a smoothie or like a veggie burger, or um, I make mac and cheese with um, butternut squash and cauliflower in the cheese sauce. I'm not a fan of sneaking vegetables because I think, first of all, you want to be a trustworthy caretaker. You want them to trust you. So I don't like to be sneaky a lot. But um, if you try for two weeks and just be like, okay, and see what happens, she may come around. I feel like that's worked with my uh, daughters before. It's just, it's like you're going to take that. It's kind of like Kung Fu, right? You're going to take that negative energy and just sort of let it flow around the room. And then, you know, and then maybe it'll turn back on them. And they'll be like, oh, actually, I often find that these things are not actually about the food. Right. It's about a little bit about power being like, I'm not going to eat this. I'm going to stand my ground, especially if she's, if she's four, she's right Mm -hmm. at that Mm -hmm. asserting her autonomy age. And so it is, it's, it's not about the food. It's about the power at the table. The other night we had uh, uh, yoga and berries for dinner because I was like, that's all I got. That's and an awesome dinner. It's actually it an awesome really dinner. Yeah. Because there's a ton of protein. Yeah, yeah. It's a ton of protein, some fruit. And we had been just, we were just done. So my four-year-old <laughs> was like, Bren was very cute. My husband, he was like, you guys, can you believe we're having dessert for dinner? Because I've been I trying to, to change the mindset of dessert from just sort of baked goods and, you know, refined sugar to really amazing fruit. Because when we grew up, that's what our dessert was, was fruit. So he was like, I can't believe you're getting to eat dessert for dinner. So Aliyah happily gobbled it up. And then Mosey kind of ate halfway. And this is something that I know that she loves and just stopped. 
And I was like, what's going on? And she goes, I don't want to eat anymore. And I said, are you full? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay. And they'd had shots that day and they were a little bit grumpy. And I pulled Mosey onto my lap and then was just sort of talking to her and then just sort of absentmindedly gave her a bite and she ate it and she went on to eat the entire bowl. Mm -hmm. And I think that she just needed, I don't know, my, my takeaway from that was she just needed to be held. You know, she'd had shots. It was really traumatic for her. She didn't understand why that lady hurt her. And so she was just a little sensitive all day long. And, oh, we had to skip a nap because of the timing of the doctor's appointment too. I don't know if that's what I'm going to do every single time, but it was pretty helpful in that moment to just say, okay, let me just try something else. Sometimes it's sort of giving them a little extra attention and sometimes it's just not making a big deal about it at all. I just was going to say that's like a really powerful reminder that it's not about what's on their plate and it's like not about the food, but there's so much else that like is nutritious for our family at the table, whether it's touch Mm. or like conversation. And so it doesn't always have to be about them eating vegetables or being exposed to new foods. Sometimes it's about everything else that happens at the table too. Yeah. I think that's so true. And also what's helpful about thinking about it that way is that it takes the pressure off of food Mm -hmm. and off of cooking and this, you know, I feel like parents get so wrapped up in, you know, cooking is hard and it's this Mm. relentless task and Mm -hmm. we have to do it every night and kids need to eat so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, after all, this podcast is called Didn't I Just Feed You? Yeah. Because (laughs) that's that's the pressure we feel. Yeah. But even for the three of us who are all food professionals, yeah. <laughs> to be like, guys, hey, we don't cook every night. No. And and our kids sometimes just eat yogurt and toast yeah. for dinner or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always have to be gourmet. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be cooked exactly just right. It's really just about putting something nourishing on the table and being together as a family because yeah. that's the nourishing part. So for me, this really speaks to the heart of our conversation with Artie, that no matter where you grew up, how you raise your kids, what decisions you make about how to feed them, that being around the table is about being together as a family. And we talk about this often on Didn't I Just Feed You? Yeah, you're so right. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Yet at the same time, for me, there was something else triggered by this conversation that wasn't triggered in any of our other interviews about picky eating. And the only thing that I can think of that's different and that's common ground between me and Artie is that we both grew up with these non-American, in these non-American kitchens, you know, in these, (laughs) I want to say first generation, but I know Artie actually isn't first generation. You know, she was born and raised elsewhere. Um, So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's making any sense. I know that while we were on the line with her, I actually tried explaining it. So Let's let's actually cut to that clip because I think I did a better job of it when we were actually talking with Artie. You know, this whole conversation about picky eaters and this like obsession that Americans have with food that isn't always so healthy and mm. the stress that parents feel around cooking, it just gets so concentrated yeah. that I feel mealtime especially when there's a picky eater around the table. And this is in no way to undermine how truly stressful it can be Mm -hmm. to be dealing with a picky eater in the moment at the end of a long day. Yes. I've been there. It's real. I get it. But 
feeding that energy more Mm -hmm. instead of doing what you suggested. Just try ignoring it. Just try something different. Mm -hmm. Try eating granola instead one night to appease the picky eater and just make it silly. Yeah. You know, that energy of just feeding it and being so intense around food all the time, I do think also feeds a very unhealthy relationship with food. Totally. And the one thing that I have always said is that when we talk about raising healthy eaters, it should not be about raising eaters who know how to eat kale and radishes and X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. It should be about raising kids who know how to be around a table, who understand that food brings people together, that it's love, that it's joy, and that they just have a healthy relationship with food, whatever the food they have access to is. You know, that's what I think matters. Artie was feeling that too, huh? Yeah, I think. Let's listen to how she responded then. I do think that we talk about food way too much. And we do talk about food in a pornographic way, honestly. (laughs) Yes. One way or the other. Like either we're talking about a new diet and the way that it, you know, it's changing my body and I'm all keto and I'm, you know, dipping chicharrones in sour cream and it's amazing, you know, or we're saying, oh my gosh, have you seen this new cheeseburger from blah, 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 or look at this raclette. It's just melted cheese over potatoes. There's nothing good in that for you. (laughs) I just think we talk about it way too much. And maybe it's because we're all stress eating in one (laughs) way or another. And we, you know, we're always looking for the silver bullet, whether it's turmeric or kale, or now it's like kvass. I've seen people going on about, and it's like, well, None of these things are going to make you immortal. Can we just say that right off the bat? (laughs) (laughs) None of these things are going to turn us into a superhero. We're never going to be Luke Cage. Let's just let it go. I'm sorry. I'm watching Luke Cage right now. Yes. (laughs) Um, So, you know, if we could just all say that and say, we're all going to die. I'm sorry. It's the truth. And we're all going to, you know, it's just going to happen. And we're all trying to prolong our life as much as possible. I don't want to be flip about it. But we just talk about food way too much. Yes. Totally. See, I totally feel what Artie is saying here at the end of our conversation. And I find it fascinating that we went from talking about how she grew up to parenting and picky eaters to food culture in America. So like this progression, the way you were saying earlier that like her, that little snippet got to the heart of the conversation for you, Mm -hmm. this little snippet here, this progression was the heart of the conversation for me. So my family's food culture, like I was saying earlier, was really a Greek one. And that remains at the core of my food values. It's why I cook. I think it's why it was easy for me to tell my kids that they, you know, like you can leave the table if you don't like what's for dinner. (laughs) It's why I do other things that I do at the table that I think have helped keep picky eating from taking permanent root in my home. It's why I believe in food joy. And it's why, honestly, despite having been exposed to some disordered eating, that I feel that food joy has really prevailed. Like all those things really come from the Greek part of my food culture and definitely not what I was exposed to on the American side of things. You know, and I'm by no means saying that I'm perfect, that I haven't succumbed to some bad food or eating habits, that I haven't made mistakes with my kids, because I certainly have. And um, we have some episodes coming up about sugar with uh, expert Jill Castle. And you will hear me in the middle of the episode have a revelation about mistakes I've made. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so, you know, I've made mistakes, but I do believe that growing up with a strong cultural identity, that's what gave me a strong food culture and is what is allowing me to pass that on in my home today. Okay. I want to go from the totally opposite angle. Yeah. I feel like there might be listeners who are like, oh, I grew up with American food culture. Yeah. And it's maybe not as rich as other food cultures. Like, how do I cultivate a connected food culture in my own home. And so I just want to say my experience growing up with a single mom was we ate a lot of box food. We ate a lot of hamburger helper, tuna noodle casserole because it was cheap and it was easy for my mom who was putting herself through graduate school, raising three kids, working more than one job and like just trying to do her best. What And then, of course, like that, I always joke that that's what led me to a career in cooking was I got tired of eating those things. And so I started learning how to cook, how to read recipes and trying to help my mom. So I I also want people to hear that if you grew up in a food culture that you that you don't like, that you don't want to raise your own kids in, it's never too late to change it. You can at any point in time decide how you want to address food in your own home. And I love what Artie said about like watching little food videos with her kids and then translating that to the dinner table. Absolutely anyone can do that and take that advice to heart. Yes. yes. I love that too. Because I'm by no means trying to say that in America that there's no opportunity for food culture. And I'm not trying to disparage Americans or America. I I am American. I don't I was think either you here. or Artie was yeah. trying to say that American food culture isn't great, but I think I can say that. <laughs> I grew up in it. It's not that – it isn't always that great. There are parts of it that have tons of room for improvement. But I love hearing you say that because you're you're right. Like there is – And hey, like I've adopted a lot of it. I mean, I wrote a whole cookbook about supermarket shortcuts. It's called Make It Easy and you can buy it on Amazon. There, thank you for the plug, (laughs) Megan. I appreciate it. But but it's true that like in my core, it did, it really does come from growing up in a Greek home. And that just really resonated with me, what um, Artie was saying. So that's... And I like that you, what she said really resonated with you too, and you're coming at it from a really different place. So it just ended up being a really interesting conversation. And I think I might have spoiled our Try This at Home a little bit because we are actually going to play one more clip from Artie for our quick practical takeaway that we want you to try at home this week because it comes directly from Artie. I cook Indian food maybe once, maybe once or twice a week. And then the other days it's it's anything. But if it's something specifically ethnic, I'll try to show them videos of the dancing. For my girls, anything with dancing works. So if it's Chinese dancing, we're having a stir fry, I'll play some Chinese music. You know, I'll show them on the globe where China is and where we are. I just want to start introducing them to this idea that there are other countries and they have other cultures and they have other ways of doing things. And there are things that are beautiful about it. There are things that are going to seem foreign to you about it. Why does that strike you as odd? You know, like I just want to start having that conversation because I think it, I don't know, I just value that so much because I've, it is such a beautiful thing about our world that we're all so different. And yet there are things that we all love. And one of them is food. Another, I think, is music and art and, you know, all these things that 
we seem to be taking out of our schools. What a fun way to end this episode. Thank you guys for listening today. And now that you listen to us, we want to listen to you. Give us a shout to say hi, to ask us questions, or to say what you want us to cover. You can email hello at didn'tijustfeedyou.com or find us at Didn't I Just Feed You on Instagram or Facebook. And while on Facebook, keep your eyes peeled for that private Facebook group just for our listeners. That's you guys. You'll be asked a super secret question. And the answer is whiskey. More importantly, if you enjoyed listening to us, tell your friends about Didn't I Just Feed You. Please leave us a review on iTunes. It makes a really big difference for our new podcast. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. A big thanks to you, our listeners. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. And also thank you to our editor, Jeremy, and his team at Counterweight Creative. This is Stacy, And this is Megan. Stay sane and well-fed. Until next week.